I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. JJ. Yep. How's it been going? Um, today we're going to go with goodish. Okay. <laughs> if you'd asked me Monday, it would have been, I'm not in jail, so goodish. Right. So that's, okay, that's the positive for today. Not in jail. Not in jail. Fantastic. Solitary confinement doesn't sound terrible right huh. now. No, I think it sounds good. Mm. So, you know who Phoebe Judge is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Of criminal. I'm mm-hmm. Phoebe Judge. Yes. This criminal. Okay. <laughs> so she's got a new podcast, and the whole thing is her reading a chapter of a, um, like an, a famous mystery novel per episode. Hmm. So she's able to do it because the books she's reading are out of copyright. Interesting. I think it's copyright. So she started with Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ooh. So um, every time an episode comes out, it's literally just like there's a couple of ads at the beginning. But then otherwise, it's just her reading the book similar to an audiobook, except, well, free. I mean, but there are ads at the beginning. But what I've started using it for, and this is not to be mean to Phoebe Judge, it's just that her voice is so relaxing. It's bad to say. I put it on to go to sleep. It's like, you know, trying to listen to Pink Floyd and drive. You're you're going to get sleepy. <laughs> it's not going to. Yeah, that doesn't go well. But so uh, I put it on at night and I set my little timer that's like, you know, cut off automatically when the, um, you know, when the episode ends. Mm-hmm. And I think I am, you know, after doing this for several weeks, I am only like five minutes into the fourth episode. <laughs> Because I, uh, I'll even think I'm not that tired, but I don't turn the TV on. I don't, you know, I go ahead and turn the lights out. I, I, so if I read or if I have the TV on, I'll stay up way too late. Mm-hmm. But if I, on time, put on Phoebe Judge, lay down and start listening to the story, I will be out like <laughs> within 10 minutes. It's amazing. Well, so anyway, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the purpose she designed it for. But it's it's useful. Who needs Ambien? Right. Right, mm. right, right. Speaking of Ambien, um, I have a uh, an interesting uh, TikTok to share. Oh, God. Uh, so um, I saw this, this TikTok where this girl was talking about how she'd had a really bad week and she was having trouble sleeping. So she took an Ambien. And when she woke up, actually... Several days later, she gets a package, and she did not know what it was. And turns out, while she was supposedly sleeping while on Ambien, she had ordered herself a large trucker hat. On the front of the hat, it said, let me see your butthole. What? And she was like, and this thing was almost $50. My husband's going to kill me. And it reminded me of the time that I was not on Ambien, but asleep and ordered googly eyes mm-hmm. from Amazon, an How assortment many? of googly eyes. Which is like 10,000 googly eyes? Yeah, it was a large number, but yeah. it was like less than 10 bucks. And I feel like that was more practical than a $50 trucker hat. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even need Ambien. So, well, that I amused think, me. I mean, that sounds like a great value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
10,000 googly eyes. I mean, and they were a variety of sizes, right? Mm -hmm. They sure were. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like I had several things that I needed to talk about, and I don't remember any of them, so I probably should have written them down. But did I know I didn't write them down? Damn it. Ain't that the way. Mm -hmm. It is. Well, there'll be, there'll be other time, other time to talk about them other time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so we are going to go through a case today. Yes, we are. Is that my cue to start it? Yes, it is. <laughs> All righty. All right. I, I ate like five of the Halloween pumpkins. I oh, went over shit, my JJ, limit. Last time we decided three was the way to go. Yeah. Actually, I think it's more like two. Four is okay. too many. Five is way too many. All right. Well, so here we go. Pumpkin-induced stupor. <laughs> yeah. So, our case today, we have a four-year-old intact female mixed-breed dog uh, that presented for lumps on the stomach. Hmm. Vague. Okay. And the owner reports that the pet hasn't been eating well for about three to four days. Uh, the pet is drinking more water than normal, and the pet has a bigger belly than normal, which hmm. that can be kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, also, the pet seems anxious. And the owner wasn't sure when the last heat cycle occurred. And the pet is intact, by the way. Yeah, that's frustrating. The pet is not housed with a male dog and no known breeding has taken place. Okay. So any thoughts about that yeah. situation? Well, so it just sounds like some nonspecific symptoms. And some of them are a little bit, make me a little bit nervous. Mm. I never know. So when owners say lumps on the stomach... It could literally be anything from those are your pet's nipples, ma'am, to, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> there's mm -hmm. a basketball size mass, you know, or like anywhere in between that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's always going to be fun to see what we're going <laughs> to figure out there. Yeah. Um, and then the not eating, I always don't I always hate that in a young you know, four year old mm -hmm. not eating well. I don't love it. Drinking more water than normal, so polydipsia. The owner's not saying anything about increased urination, but she might not have noticed. Mm -hmm. um, and then a bigger belly than normal. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so far, we've got some kind of generalized presenting um, complaints. The fact that the owner doesn't know when the last heat cycle occurred is kind of frustrating. But I find that to be true the vast majority of the time. Mm -hmm. Um unfortunately so if if you own an if you're listening to this and you own an intact female dog you need to keep track of that that's important so pl please keep track of that i know they make all kinds of apps that you can take you know track your own cycle just have a separate one for your dog oh but you couldn't use a human one though you'd have well to. i mean i guess you could it'd just be like wow your cycle is really not <laughs> dependable well, there because <laughs> every well, six months well, let's talk about that because people track their cycles through things like, um, well, bleeding and also things like temperature changes, um, mucus changes, things like that. But in the mm -hmm. dog, um, when we're seeing a swollen vulva and active bleeding, that's actually a standing heat. That's the fertile time. It's not the same as uh, menstruation in people, which is the body basically... Um, 
basically the uterus is like, I decorated this nursery for you. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? You didn't <laughs> use it. Now I'm just mad and I'm trashed in the place. Like that's mad. mad. Oh boy. Um, JJ has programmed the mad button. <laughs> Will you push it one more time? Mad. <laughs> It's so fun. It's not fun, though, when you, you know, you're snarky to your husband and he just glares at you and then walks over somewhere. And you're like, where are you going? And then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. It. <laughs> well, anyway, I mean, there could very well be tracking apps for dog cycles. I don't know. But for sure, you couldn't use a person one. I feel like I feel confident with that statement. But anyway, OK, either way, keep track of your dog's heat cycles because <sighs> occasionally we need to know so yep. anyway so i'm I'm just gonna we're gonna hop right to the physical exam and kind of find out what's going on because the presenting um clinical signs are just kind of all over the place and mm-hmm. very non-specific so what are we okay. seeing on physical exam here okay so uh the dog was bright and alert okay uh actively taking treats in the exam room oh no that's f- good yep uh no fever okay we did have enlarged and firm mammary glands. Aha. Uh-huh. And okay. uh, no um, vulv. That word's going to be hard to say today. No vulvar discharge. Vulvar. Vul- vulvar. Why am I having trouble with this? <laughs> Hang on. There was no discharge from the vulva. Uh, can I please yeah. leave the other part in? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I feel like I have to explain. So occasionally. I find a word that for that day, I just can't say it no matter what the hell I do. I mean, it took me like probably six months to get over not being able to say the word stethoscope. And I still feel like I have to say it slowly. On the podcast? No, just in my life. Oh, in general life. Okay. Yeah. So this this is not new just to the podcast. And so G's always like, well, just say it in a different way or just take that part out. Yeah. Because I'll get frustrated and the more that I try, more my brain's just like, mm, yeah, fuck you, it's not happening. So, yeah, anxiety is real. <laughs> well, in the last episode, I said werewolf instead of werewolf. Well, I also said curiosity. Cur- I was trying to say curiosity. <laughs> and Ben pointed that out. And I was I mean, like, oh, people know wow. what people know what we mean. It's coming. Yeah, right. it's fine. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm a perfectionist, but I'm also one of those like uh, kind of like a. Oh, well, if it's not going perfectly, screw it, uh, dumpster fire. Mm. So, yeah, mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. my speech is a dumpster fire, but here we it's go. It's fine. Okay, so no vulvar discharge. No vulvar discharge. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, so, I mean, honestly, the first thing I'm going to ask this owner is, are you, you sure this dog ain't pregnant? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, because... Uh, j- just as we see owners have absolutely no idea when the pet was in heat last, owners seem equally completely clueless about the ability of dogs to figure out how to breed. So mm-hmm. the owner will be like, nope, definitely has not had any contact with any type of other dog. And then when you probe into it, they're like, oh, well, I mean, when I let them outside to go to the bathroom, 
I mean, it's not <laughs> like we have a fence. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck? Or even if you do have a fence, yeah. I, I can name two dogs off the top of my head that have got pregnant through a fence. Yeah, through like and, a chain link. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> At a clinic setting. So. Okay. My favorite, I mean, not my favorite, my favorite in a sarcastic, irritated way is when people are like, nope. Nope, there's no way she's gotten bread because we keep her tied up. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. I feel like that's trapped her into getting bread, you <laughs> idiots. Um, uh, so, pregnancy, I think, needs to, uh, needs to be up on the list there, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, she's eating. She's not having a fever. There's no vulvar discharge. I'm assuming that her belly palpated normally based on these exam findings, so... I'm not thinking something like pyometra, um, which is a uterine infection, Um, just because those dogs are usually sick, uh, Mm -hmm. fever, you know, discharge from the vulva, you know, a lot of the time. And then a lot of the time on palpation, you're going to feel that. So, Mm -hmm. um, and they don't have a stank about them. Uh, Sometimes, yeah, if they're open and they're, and they have discharge, they will sometimes be smelly. Yeah. Um, So, and most of the ones that I see are pretty sick. Mm-hmm. They've been vomiting, diarrhea, you know, all of those things. So Not taking treats in the exam room. Exactly. So I don't think that that's what's going on. So for me, the enlarged firm mammary glands make me think this is definitely a repro issue and not some other thing. So I think we've got to go down there. And then, so there's one more differential that I would put on the list, and that is a false pregnancy or pseudosiasis. So we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. So So what is a false pregnancy? Gee, I'm curious. Okay. So false (laughs) pregnancy is also called pseudosiasis. It occurs when an intact female dog. Okay. Also, we are able to say bitch on this episode, like free reign, bitch, bitch. (laughs) Anyway, so Uh it's when the bitch um, is not actually pregnant. But she shows signs of pregnancy, and this can include things like mammary development and even lactation. And she'll get behavioral changes consistent with um, whelping, which means giving birth, and then sometimes even mothering behavior. Um, This is considered a normal phenomenon. Um, Having a dog go through a false pregnancy doesn't mean that something's wrong with the dog, the dog doesn't have a reproductive disease, It's, it's just considered normal in the bitch. Um, it actually does not occur in cats, which is exciting. Um, and then I was wondering, like, does that occur in people? And I looked it up and it does occur in people. But Hmm. while this does occur in people and it's called the same thing in people, there's not a described, um, etiology or pathophysiology other than like, uh, in people, it's considered to be a psychological condition and not, like triggered by specific hormones like what we see in the case of the dog, which I thought was interesting because I was like, um, yeah, is this you guys? Uh, one of the older terms for it was like um, pregnancy hysteria or something. And I was like, man, fuck you. Like, right? like, come on. This to me seems like mm, maybe there's some old timey male doctors working on this and no one has really researched it thoroughly. I mean, I don't know that, but it seemed very suspicious to me that even people with that condition lactate. So I'm like, okay, uh, if it's purely psychological, then how, 
how would that create lactation? Yeah, no, anyway, I don't sorry. know that I'm, I agree that, with that. I mean, the maybe, whole thing irritated me. I mean, I don't know. That does that that just makes me angry because that definitely sounds like some man <laughs> just decided that. Yeah. The, sorry, Ben. You know how? Wait, no, I'm not. I'm not sorry. <laughs> you know how women just get hysterical and start lactating. That's what it sounded like to me, where I was just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like on WebMD, like they're like, "Mm, we need to get psychological therapy. And I'm like, have y'all not? I feel like y'all haven't researched this real good. No. Because anyway, okay. It's treatable in the bitch without psychotherapy is all I'm saying. I'm not downplaying therapy. Clearly, I go all the time, but I just feel like. Mm -hmm. Anyway, okay. So whatever. (sighs) JJ. (laughs) JJ. Yes. What are the clinical signs of false pregnancy in the dog? I'm glad you asked, Chief. Mm. <laughs> so clinical signs are going to be early lethargy. So probably early on in the false pregnancy, you might see a little okay. bit more tiredness. Like not early in the morning. Yes. Not early in the morning. Okay. I was like, oh. All right. Uh, early in the So process. early on, they're going to uh-huh. be lethargic. Okay. Yeah. And say what there's like inappetence because they can also be... Um, uh poly is it polyphagic yeah when you're more hungry uh-huh okay so uh probably early on it's kind of you know i would think mimics kind of early pregnancy in humans too you know people i've never been pregnant but me either uh people say that you know they're tired all the time they may not be as hungry as usual or they may have more hunger and it may fluctuate um okay. but you also have yes so just kind of adr Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there's also nausea and vomiting. Oh, okay. Uh huh. Um, weight loss, and then towards the uh, end, more weight gain, like okay. we saw with our friend. Okay. So you can have both. Um, mammary enlargement, which we also saw. Milk production, nesting, where they go uh, find a place. Um, they may adopt quote puppies unquote like stuffed animals stuffed animals shoes um i saw one it was so cute but this boxer had adopted like five of those chickens those rubber chickens that make those god-awful noise when you (laughs) squeeze them and i'm like good god if she's like lays on one that's just gonna sound like a puppy (laughs) yeah um but yeah they'll you know, I've seen pictures of them. There's like a golden retriever that has like two stuffed animals, a shoe, a sock, just like random things that it's like gone and gotten and put in its little nest. Um, sometimes they'll be aggressive, like new mothers are, um, you know, protecting their puppies. They okay. may act a little aggressive towards people. Okay. Um, PUPD, uh, which is, you know, drinking more and urinating more. And then. Uh, the last one was the polyphagia, which we've already talked about having an increased appetite. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Now, is there a certain type of dog or a certain signalment that we associate with this condition? Um, this one, uh, I guess it can kind of be controversial, but uh, there's no scientific there's no scientifically proven breed disposition. So, no studies have proven that there's anything like that. Okay. Um, but uh, different veterinarians in different communities may find that they see some breeds more than others. So it's kind of, uh, if you ask the average veterinarian in the field, it may be a little inconclusive. 
Um, but uh, basically what the books say is generally affected dogs are intact, sexually mature females. So it can happen to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chi, can you tell me why a dog would develop a false pregnancy and how? Yes. So um, in dogs, this is considered a, like a hormonal etiology. Um, so it usually occurs at the end of diestrus. Now, we are not going to stop and parse out the entire canine estrus cycle on this podcast. Mm-hmm. If you are unfamiliar with the estrus cycle in dogs, please use your Google button and look that one up. <laughs> we'll also probably post some links in the show notes and on social media over, you know, the the days after this episode is released. Um, but just uh, so look that up as a refresher. But in general, this occurs at the end of diestrus. Um Diestrus occurs approximately six to eight weeks after estrus. Estrus means standing heat or the pet is like fertile and ready to breed. At that time, the sudden decline in progesterone that happens when diestrus is ending causes an increase in prolactin from the anterior pituitary gland. Prolactin is a hormone that promotes mammary development, lactation, and mothering behavior. So we think that the combination of that drop in progesterone and that rise in prolactin is what creates a pseudopregnancy. This is a normal thing that occurs. Like So those changes, the decreased progesterone, the increased prolactin, that's a normal part of the cycle. Um, but occasionally the body just thinks like, oh, I remember this, we're pregnant, but <laughs> it's wrong. So the oh, other boy. times we can see it is, if we have been on some sort of exogenous progesterone therapy and it's withdrawn. So uh, the pet is being treated with progesterone like as a medicine and then it's stopped. Or um, after progesterone rapidly declines following a spay. So if the pet is spayed in whatever part of their cycle, suddenly there's a huge swing downward of progesterone, then it might happen then as well. That would be one time you would see it then in a dog that's not intact. In some studies, there is an increase of mammary neoplasia, which is cancer. So breast cancer Mm -hmm. associated with the number of pseudopregnancies. That was just in some studies. There are other sources I read that said that there's no, like, um, no increased risk of any medical problems from having them. So I kind of found conflicting information on that. Mm -hmm. So how can we diagnose this as a false pregnancy versus if the dog's actually pregnant? That is a great question. Sometimes it can be tricky, especially like in this case, if the owner is like, I don't know about the heat cycle. And if we feel like the owner really, truly has absolutely no idea about whether it's been bred. And so um, I, we were talking before the podcast and I said that I, ha- I have never been able to definitively diagnose that this is what was going on with the patient. Most of the time, all the patients I see have been spayed already, just as a consequence of the geographic area that I practice in. Um, But actually, now that I thought about it a little bit, this year I did have an owner bring a pet in for bumps on the abdomen. And when I looked, the dog was actively lactating. Oh, no. And it was intact, but they could not tell me anything about the dog's history as far as like when did it have a heat cycle has it been bred you know they were like no definitely has not been bred they absolutely would not agree to any diagnostics at all 
And then they were like, well, it did get out for a week or two about, (laughs) you know, X number of days. And I was like, in that case, I pretty much just had to say like, okay, if you're not going to let me do any further tests, then your dog is either pregnant or has a false pregnancy. And I don't know which one. And based on when your dog was escaped, you're either going to have puppies in the next seven to 10 days or shoes like, or something like, I don't know. Or congratulations. It's a closet of shoes. Um, What do you call a group of shoes? I don't know. A cluster. Congratulations on your cluster of shoes. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Anyway, we probably we might have to cut part of that or edit it strongly since it's a case that I actually saw. But you know what? I don't know. They it's were funny. mad. Like the owner was mad that I couldn't. And I was just like, I, okay, well, <laughs> like I've got two strong differentials, but on a physical exam, Today, I'm not able to tell you which one. So anyway, okay. So let's talk about the things that I recommended to that owner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you diagnose false pregnancy by basically ruling out the possibility of the dog being pregnant. So mm-hmm. physical exam and history is really the first part of that. So if the dog truly has no history of being bred or possibly being bred, okay, then that puts a mark in the favor of a pseudo pregnancy. Um, you can't use mammary development to differentiate because you're going to get mammary development and lactation, um, really either way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes no, not all dogs with the pseudo pregnancy will lactate, but, um, enough of them do that. You can't say, oh, this dog's lactating. It's not a pseudo pregnancy because they, they can <laughs> lactate with this. Some dogs even have abdominal contractions. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't even say, oh, they're going into labor. You know, you can't, you can't even say that because they, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> now mothering behavior and nursing of substitute puppies, like our cluster of shoes, um, it is a sign of pseudo pregnancy. So if that's happening, then we feel pretty confident. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other ones, just looking at the clinical signs that JJ just mentioned, but they overlap, you know, with pregnancy quite a bit. So. As far as um, diagnostic testing goes, um, I'm going to go through several ways that we can run some tests to try to figure this out and several studies uh, that have shown um, basically correlations between blood work results and pseudopregnancy. So complete blood count or a CBC might help. And this is uh, interesting because it's available in pretty much every practice. It's pretty cheap, too. Yeah, not too not too expensive. So one study showed that in pregnant bitches, that sounds so funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> it sounds like I'm. OK. <laughs> in one study showed that in pregnant dogs, the pack cell volume and the hemoglobin levels were lower than in non-pregnant and pseudo-pregnant dogs. So. Mm. If you're looking and you're seeing our PCV and hemoglobin are a little bit low, we can put that as a tick in the maybe pregnant category. But again, it's not definitive. So is that like um, at any stage in the pregnancy or does that take place like in a certain point? Yeah, the sources that I was reading did not specify. So I think it's the whole time. Okay. 
So the next test that we could consider running, and this is not an in-house type of test, this is a send out to the lab type of test, is a prolactin level, okay? Some people think like, oh, let's run a prolactin level, but prolactin concentrations cannot be used to diagnose pseudocyesis, so they, mm. they're not helpful for diagnosing false pregnancies, okay? So st some studies demonstrated higher concentrations of prolactin in bitches with clinical signs. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to say it. <laughs> okay. Because you know I'm going to so, hit that button every time I you know. say it. <laughs> some studies have demonstrated higher concentrations of prolactin levels in dogs with clinical signs of pseudocyesis compared to dogs with no clinical signs. Uh, however, other studies reported no difference in the prolactin concentration. So... The current information is that you can't use the prolactin level to, to decide. So mm. um, you could consider running a relaxin level. So relaxin is produced primarily by the canine placenta. Um, and you, there is an assay that you can even purchase and run in-house. And it's a, a rapid immunomigration in-house assay. So this type of test can help differentiate a false pregnancy from early pregnancy. And then next would be just kind of the obvious one, which is abdominal imaging. So we could take radiographs. Uh, we could perform ultrasound and just look and see, are there puppies in there? Fetal skeletons show up, meaning they're, they're visible on x-ray, around day 44 to 45 of gestation. So if it's before that, an x-ray mm, won't be mm -hmm. helpful. Okay, but it's after that, it, it will be. And then a skilled ultrasonographer can find... Um, fetuses pretty early. So that might be the way to go. If you have an ultrasound in your practice and a skilled uh, ultrasonographer, you know, pop the probe on the tummy and see if we can find it. So in the case that we went over, radiographs of the abdomen were performed and there was no evidence of pregnancy noted on that radiograph. So there was a presumptive diagnosis of false pregnancy or pseudocyesis in this dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that we have diagnosis of false pregnancy, what should we do to address it? Well, the good news is that most cases of pseudocyesis spontaneously resolve within two or three weeks of the onset of clinical signs. So mild development of the mammary glands is normal during diestrus. Um, we typically don't need to treat the pseudopregnancy uh, unless we're having major milk production. It's just really excessive. Um but sometimes we do need to treat them. And there are a couple of things that we could consider using. Um, now, there are some medicines. They're anti-prolactin medications that we could use to kind of clear up the symptoms of pseudopregnancy a little bit sooner. These drugs are dopaminergic agonists. Some examples are cabergoline and bromocryptine or serotonin antagonists like metergoline. These pharmacologically block the secretion of prolactin. If we have to do therapy, these are considered the treatment of choice. And they generally reduce the milk production and other signs within about four or five days. So one important note is that we don't want to use progestins to treat pseudopregnancy. Not recommended. Supportive therapy is also important. So if the patient is lactating, we do not want to milk the mammary glands or do things like apply hot and cold compresses. 
basically anything that we could do to avoid stimulating the lactation, we need to avoid. So friction, rubbing, massaging, any of those things will keep the body thinking that we need milk. So we need to, to say, body, we don't need milk. So, so no, you know, no manipulation of the mammary glands. Um, sometimes you can uh, put on a really snug fitting t-shirt or wrap so that the pet's not licking or stimulating themselves. And then, (laughs) interestingly, short-term restriction of food, that does not mean starving the dog, that just means reducing the amount of food that we're offering, can make the clinical signs clear up faster. They did not uh, give a specific amount of food reduction. (laughs) You know, no crash diets. No crash diets. (laughs) Yeah, because then you might have uh, dogs that are... What the hell? I'm oh, going to be obnoxious. Okay. JJ, what mm-hmm. is the prognosis for this type of condition? So prognosis is good, actually. Um, usually, like you said earlier, they go into a remission in two to three weeks from clinical sign onset. Unfortunately, though, reoccurrence is common. Uh, and like you said earlier, there are some associations with mammary neoplasia, but that's kind of... Hmm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not sources vary. Yes. Yeah. Uh, pyometra is possible after a pseudocyasis, but I mean, that can happen with any intact female. Right. Um, it's not necessarily caused by the pseudocyasis. Yeah. I, I was having the question when I was looking things up on this, like, is pyometra more common after false pregnancy? And I, th- I think where we landed was, it's not that it's more common in dogs with a false pregnancy, but just that it's common in any intact mm-hmm. dog. But yep. a lot of people have the impression that it's more common. You know, it's like a mm-hmm. clinical sentiment that I read about a lot uh, on message boards, but I couldn't find anything that said, you know, this has been studied and this is, you know, fact. Um, yeah. The one thing that we haven't mentioned yet Um, that we probably should is that the dogs with false pregnancy that lactate, they can get mastitis. Mm. And so we want to make sure that we don't see any signs of that developing and Mm -hmm. uh, they need to be treated uh, just like a a pregnant or just like a, just like a nursing dog that gets mastitis. These guys with false pregnancy that start lactating, if they get a mastitis, then we got to treat that separately. It becomes a little bit more involved then. Mm Mm-hmm. So, JJ, mm-hmm. is there any way to prevent a false pregnancy from developing? Sure is. You can well, take those do? parts out. Woo! Do a ovario hysterectomy. A spay. Or a spay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spay that dog. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The only thing is, they, it should be done once the pet is in remission. Um, if you do the spay during the, the um, two, three weeks they're in the pseudocytosis, the clinical signs are not going to stop, um, yeah. so they're saying to uh, do that while they're in remission. Plus, I, guess I that imagine would... like when you're um, like when you have to do abdominal surgery around um, <laughs> giant minis. <laughs> yeah, well, when <laughs> the pet difficult. is lactating, it's gross. Yeah, it's it's a messier surgery. There's a bigger recovery time, like a bigger incision, more tissue handling that has to happen and stuff like that. So I would think even just from the waiting till they're no longer have major mammary development side mm-hmm. of things would be a good idea. 
Yeah, it's always kind of <laughs> I always kind of find it humorous whenever um you gotta do a C section and then you're you know, closing the incision and it's basically watching these giant water balloons go floop back up. <laughs> I don't know, that makes me laugh, but I well, can definitely you know sympathize with the surgeon trying to put all that back together and keep it all clean and not hit any major engorged vessels or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, this subject in general is a little bit tough for me because, well, I don't know. It, so I know it's the opposite thing, but it just reminds me so much of like my worst nightmare scenario, which is like being pregnant in not knowing it you know (laughs) have you seen that show um oh i think it's just called i didn't know i was pregnant or something like that have you seen that i haven't um but i've like heard about like you know thinking you gotta take a massive dump and it's a baby or i'm just like "Mm, see i wouldn't be that lucky i mean if i ever was to be pregnant i have a pretty good idea just based on other family members and especially my mom, there, there, it would not be anything easy about it. Well, but I mean, I don't know. And maybe I don't know if this is, this might be insensitive of me. So we might want to cut that part out. I don't know. But for me, the idea of like going to the hospital with major abdominal pain and then being like, you are pregnant. You're in labor. Here is a child. Would be like that. Would be terrible. You didn't have time it, to plan. Or it would be like, oh yeah, it would be like my worst nightmare scenario. Like Please. it would just be like, what happened? And <laughs> um, at first I was like, but did you not know though? You know what I'm saying? I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know. But then I started watching that show, and I was like, holy crap! Because they'll be it's like. In- entirely possible yeah here's a photo of me on the beach in a bikini one month before i gave birth and i'm like what the like they just look normal like Mm -hmm. how how is that possible Mm -hmm. and then um my well i'm not gonna say who it is so we'll just say an acquaintance of mine um who i met i mean I, i i know i met her way after this happened okay so i didn't know anything about it on social media, uh, she was celebrating her baby's birthday, and sh- some of the like stuff she was posting to like remember the the birth and everything like that. I was like, "What a weird thing to to mention!" And as I was like reading it, I was like, "I wonder what that means." And then finally, I realized she had this happen to her. Oh no! Where and I so the next time I saw her, I was like, "Hey, can I?" ask you about this and she was like girl yeah and so i was like okay what this is like my <laughs> like i am obsessed with this like potential scenario like how exactly what what do you mean you didn't know like i just need to know every single detail tell me the whole thing and she was just like yeah girl like um she was like the week before I knew something like i was getting sick something wasn't right and she was like my family member was like you pregnant and she was like no i'm not pregnant and like she was like i even took another test like negative you know or whatever and then she's like yeah the next week the next week i'm have severe pain and i'm getting wheeled into the er and they're like you pregnant the baby coming right now Mm. let's go like (laughs) whoa (laughs) just like what 
Oh my god. Anyway. Uh, I've had a um I'm not going to say who they are uh just because I haven't asked to share. Yeah. Uh, but I would not I would just keep it general. Yeah, but the symptoms basically but this particular person was not diagnosed with PCOS. Um but had every symptom under the sun of it including you know, going for months at a time without a cycle. So yeah. um, she was probably, she was also overweight. Uh, she was probably seven months before she knew that she was pregnant. Seven months pregnant? Mm-hmm. Yep. What? What if you were like, uh, hey, I'm just at my doctor's office, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, oh, you're going to have a baby in two months. Mm-hmm. Like I would flip out. Yeah. There'd be no that- way. I would be like feeling guilty over every little thing, like oh god, I drank or yeah, I just had sushi five times this week. <laughs> yeah. Like I just, I, you know how much dairy I eat. Uh huh. Oh my god. I know. There's just, be, I mean, there's all this <laughs> stuff like that, uh, even stuff that I don't even know you're not supposed to do or not like. I'd, yeah. Like, oh god, what did I do? I'm like ruined this person that I didn't even know I had oh, growing. Boy. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. Okay. Well, well so. We're kind of at the conclusion. Uh, I could do the question about the left shift. Ooh, yeah, let's do that. Okay. Is that your cat or my cat? <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> Leave it in. <laughs> what did she say? This week, a listener contacted me and said, I have been going back through the old episodes and really enjoying them, but I just have one question. And I was like, all right, let's go. What What's the question? And she said, what is a left shift? I've always heard the term. I don't know what left shift is, but in my head, I've always imagined that for some reason, things print out on the left side of the page. And I was like, that is a good idea of what it would be. Mm-hmm. However, that is not accurate. So a left shift occurs when the number of immature or baby neutrophils is higher than normal. So segmented neutrophils are the mature, normal neutrophil that floats around in the body. And band neutrophils are the immature ones. And if we have an increase in the number of band cells, the immature ones, that's called the left shift. And if the number of band cells, so the immature cells, is greater than the number of segmented or mature cells, then that's called the degenerative left shift. And that's very scary when we see that. The term left shift is derived from the diagrams of the six stages of neutrophil development in the bone marrow. On the far left, you see the most basic precursor, the myeloblast. On the far right of the diagram is the mature segmented neutrophil. So just to the left of that segmented neutrophil on that chart is the banded neutrophil, which is that immature neutrophil. So that's how it got the name left shift. Interesting. Because of the, uh, it's to the left on the chart of development. So that is, that is a really good question. Well, so she went completely off base because, I mean, if it's the left side right. of the chart, left side of the page, she just had the wrong page. Exactly. Technically, <laughs> it is printed on the left side of the page. Uh-huh. I mean, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. JJ, do you have any other little things that we need to talk about? Only thing really is maybe like a a bit of a, a follow up or a mention from uh, the Doctor Funkin episode. Yeah, you know we talked about some pretty heavy stuff, mm-hmm. and 
I just kind of wanted to put it out there for anybody, really, that even if you feel like you have some some weird thoughts that are you find upsetting or and you want to be able to say them out loud or write them down and send them to a complete stranger, you know, and it that's that's a good start. And either one of us would be more than willing to, you know, be the recipient of that. That that's absolutely something that um the podcast email address can be used for. That introvetspodcast at gmail.com. Keep in mind no email you ever send ever in your entire life is confidential. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, we are not gonna share it with anyone if yeah. you don't want us to. Um on our social media account, um a, f- a, a friend of the podcast, uh Cassie posted a really nice note to you, JJ. Um, mm-hmm. I think you saw that and replied. Mm-hmm. I um, and I think that, um, you know, it's really, really great of uh, Cassie to reach out and say, hey, I've had some of the same feelings before, you know, that we're not alone, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anybody else out there needs to share, it doesn't have to be on social media, but it can be. That's absolutely fine. Um, and it could also be shared privately. And if you don't want us to share it with anyone else, we absolutely won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good, that was a good one to bring up, JJ. Yeah. That, and that, you know, her comments kind of triggered me to, well, triggers not a very right word. It just, I guess it made me kind of think of the fact that, you know, if when I was having that issue beginning, yeah. Um, feeling like I was not, um, I don't know, feel like I was the only person in the world that was having that or feeling like that meant something really, really bad or I don't know. It can be very isolating and yeah. uh, a little scary because it's like, I mean, like I said before, I'm like, does this mean I'm suicidal? I don't know. I mean, if I ask myself that question, I don't feel like the answer is yes. But why would these feelings and these thoughts be happening if I don't have, and I mean, I think the answer is basically that if you don't do something about it, you don't talk about it, you don't find some help, and you don't help try to fix what's going on, um, it can lead to that direction possibly. So, yeah, uh, it's good to you know, if you have those those thoughts, talk about it, confide in someone. If you feel like you don't have anybody to confide in or if you're worried about upsetting your uh, people that you are close with, um, stranger sometimes can fill that void. So Yeah. And don't forget about that Vets for Vets resource. Absolutely. And Support for Support is the veterinary um, technical uh, side of Vets for Vets, which is mm-hmm. uh, both of these services offer completely free um, counseling and resources to people that are having trouble. And, uh, so don't forget that they're there, um, for you to call. And, um, we post that information on our social media regularly. I actually have it set to auto post on the first of every month, that information so that it stays out there for people who need to find those resources. Mm -hmm. So if you go to our social media and scroll down just a little bit, then it'll be there or well it's we're recording this at the end of august so in just a few days um it'll it'll repost again so don't forget about those resources too because mm-hmm. um they're there for a reason they are 
Yeah. I have a hooray for the week. Um, and that is that finally, finally, <laughs> after six months of having my bathroom torn apart, it is finally fixed. Yay. Finally. <laughs> so, yes. Back in February, so right before COVID hit in Alabama, um, I noticed a little spot where my vanity met the tile floor. And I was like, what? Like, it just was a little dark, you know? I was like, huh. Like, maybe I had spilled something, or, you know? Like, and when I went to clean it, like, it cleaned up fine. But then the next day it was there again. And I was like, what the hell? Um, And so then I, like, I cleaned it up again. And then the next day it was there again. And I was like, okay, what in the hell is going on? And so... <laughs> I got uh, Carl and I was like, Carl, I, something is wrong. Like, I can't, it looks like mold is growing, but I can't find like water. Like, I can't, I can't figure this out. Um, so he looked at it and he couldn't figure out where it was coming from either. Long story short, <laughs> um, when they were building my house, uh, whoever put the siding on was using an automatic, like a nail gun thing, you know, <laughs> well, when they were putting the siding on, a nail inadvertently went through the PEX pipe that connected my hot water line on my bathroom vanity because it's an outside wall. Nice. Right? And mm -hmm. at some point, someone found it but didn't fix it. They just Rude. duct taped it and hid it in the wall. And so then two years down the road, the duct tape finally failed. And it flooded... Um, but in a place that I couldn't see because it was behind the vanity and inside of a wall. So um, it messed up the uh, the drywall. Um, I had to rip my whole bathroom vanity out. So I lost my sink, my ability to store stuff, the wall in two places. And then part of a guest room that neighbored the bathroom was uh, messed up too. So we've had um, like our bathroom torn apart stuff all over my bedroom in boxes that would normally be my toiletry items like so i've been living out of my out of boxes in my bedroom to like just use basic toiletries for six months <laughs> mm -hmm. and we finally today got it completely handled and so it's just like so nice when i walk into my bedroom now it's back put together it's like because i like to keep my bedroom very minimal and clean so it's like Everything looks just so. It's my, like, relaxation area. <laughs> so, finally, after six months, I had my relaxation area back. And I am so excited about it. <laughs> well, if you have submissions for the podcast, that might be heartwarming stories. It might be crazy client interactions. It might be interesting cases. Please drop us a line. And our email address is introvetspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcasting platform, especially iTunes. It really Please. does help. Yes. And tell a friend about the podcast. I feel like I get text messages a lot or emails a lot on my private account or like private messages on, on like my personal social media that's like, hey, I really like the podcast. And I'm like, that is super nice. Mm -hmm. That is super nice. And then I'm always like, well, 
will you write that in a review and post it? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? But I know, I know it's hard. Um, I know it's hard to ask, but if you feel so inclined, please write a, write a review or just tell someone about the podcast or just share, share it on social media. We would love, love to hear that. I love mm-hmm. getting personal. Um, I love getting personal, like, yay, uh, messages too. Mm-hmm. I do. I really love it. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.